Hello everyone and welcome to the 6th episode of Triangle Offense. This is Monish and I'm Nishant here with me. This was day 1 of the playoffs and a great day it was. Some close games, some blowouts, a lot to talk about today on today's episode. We'll also be reviewing uh, today's games. Uh, we'll also be previewing tomorrow's games. Uh, the Lakers take on Blazers tomorrow big games in that take on Miami. Uh, some absolute beauties to look out for there. Today's games, Nishant. Uh, which was the game of the day for you? So I think easily Jazz against the Nuggets. We spoke about this. We we were expecting this series to be close. Now that I think about it, OKC and Rockets should be equally close. Uh, but this was a great game. Any any playoff game that goes to overtime, you know, has all of the the drama that one would expect from the playoffs. So easily, easily the standout game of the night. Yeah, I definitely any team like you said, Donovan Mitchell though. he completely burst out today 57 points third most ever points in a playoff game but unfortunately not enough to take uh, jazz through yeah, i mean is the playoffs this is the hallmark of the playoffs is that the defenses step up to another level um play is usually more conservative um, over the course of the regular season and it's gotten more and more so over the years people have started deprioritizing the regular season a whole lot more with the advent of load management and um some teams that felt the home court advantage didn't matter as much as keeping their players intact for the post season and not risking injury so now uh, the regular season is a lot softer now than it was but the playoffs remain as as hard as ever subject to of course the refereeing rules um so it's a hallmark of the playoffs that offense in general goes down and defense steps up big time we are, we are now at least seeing consistent 100 point plus games i mean in the 2000s it wasn't it wasn't uncommon to find a game where uh, both teams finished under 80 and it was a hard fought victory so i'm not i'm not too surprised about the uh, individual score records being uh, being the way they are uh, kudos to donovan mitchell for keeping it close and also kudos to denver nuggets that shows the strength of the team right nikola jokic having yet another monster game 29 points 10 rebounds jamal murray actually stepped up today 36 points because michael porter junior didn't really take off today but jamal murray more than stepped in and got his part done Yeah, it's another hallmark of the playoffs that sometimes uh, rookies that have great regular seasons um, under the bright lights it does get too much sometimes for them. Uh, he he'll bounce back. I think he's a solid solid uh, player, Michael Porter Jr. But uh, I I loved the battle by the way between Gobert and and Jokic, the two big guys going at it because mm-hmm. you have a double threat so to speak, someone who can score inside, outside, and who can dish out assists for fun. against a dpoi candidate and one of the best defenders in the league um and it sure did boil down to that because the the shot that decided whether denver could clinch it in regular yeah. time or the game goes to overtime was a, a pretty great move by jokic an amazing ball fake it got gobert he committed to it almost dropped recovered got back forced jokic to to drop a high arced kind of teardrop uh, layup missed the shot and we went overtime so it was a great battle um throughout the game between the two that culminated in that um amazing moment towards the end of the game that pushed it to overtime um on the on the denver nuggets side jamal jamal murray wow he came up big time uh, last year in the playoffs he kind of shrunk a little bit um mm-hmm. uh, similar to so a lot of these can i call them mid tier 
guards they're not exactly elite they're not the steph curry's of the world but they're solid solid squad players and great number 2s and number 3s to have on on a championship squad uh, you can put jamal murray in that bucket you can put chris middleton there you can even put eric bledsoe there um mm-hmm. guards the small forwards that that do great on on good teams um with with a lot of these guys they often come up small in the playoffs and it's always good to see um them kind of resurrect themselves and and build themselves up to a point where they're now delivering uh, when it matters most last season i think for Kyle Lowry that was a statement when he got it done in the finals under the brightest yep. of lights jamal murray it's good to see him pick up i'd love to see bledso and middleton pick up this season god knows that will yep. help yanis uh, but yeah great to see denver overall and they are they are a better built team i do believe overall than the jazz so i'm not surprised that they came away with the win and if it takes this kind of herculean uh, this kind of a herculean effort from donovan mitchell to even keep it close i'm not mm-hmm. sure if the series overall will be as close as we we predicted it to be oh so let me give you a bit of a stat there so denver and uh, jazz before today have met three times a season denver won all the three times 3-0 record over there but the aggregate difference in the points between these two teams were just 11 over the three games although it was 10 today but it did go to overtime so i think it will still be a close series uh, you should remember that jazz were without mike conley today who went home for the birth of his kid and once he's back i think they have a great uh, team they'll have a full team and i think it'll be very difficult to beat them it's not going to be a cakewalk for denver although they might have won four times a season now Yeah yeah for sure I I don't think the regular season record is weighing too heavily on my mind what I'm looking at more is Jazz lost two players actually Mike Conley that's a temporary absence but yep. they've lost uh, Bogdanovich and that's a big yeah. big outside shooting presence for them and and a major offensive threat Mike Conley has not been himself this season Bogdanovich has and he's hit some clutch winners as well this season yep. so I'm looking at it from that angle and I'm thinking Bogdanovich not being there depletes their offense big time and i'm afraid it asks too much of of a donovan mitchell or or an ingles or a gobert to step up and and pick up offensive weight that they usually don't if mike conley can get it going i'm sure we we've got ourselves a game and it's a tough series but but otherwise i kind of see denver pulling away here another game that actually went down to the wire but kind of came up short today was uh, mavericks who slightly uh, were hampered by the loss of uh, kp mid game but uh, look at donchich pulling all the strings almost almost you could say getting or matching up to the clippers they they won 118 110 the clippers won 118 110 kawhi leonard having another beautiful playoff game as he does always but look at donchich the star of the show there yeah what a performance from from luka donchich we win it's funny we just spoke about rookies kind of shrinking when it comes to the bright lights and it doesn't get any brighter than this he's in the playoffs first time ever he's expected yep. to lead the franchise on his young shoulders they've already made him the face of the franchise everyone has he's expected to show up against perhaps the prohib- prohibitive favorites this season to win the mm-hmm. title easily the deepest squad in the nba even if they're not the favorites yep. to win the title uh, and not to forget luka doncic is a wing player and he's up against the team with perhaps two of the best defensive wing players in the league so just straight up matchup wise it's a pain for him for him to step up do what he did not only did he score 42 points he also backed that up with seven rebounds nine assists just an all round show stopping performance this kind of makes me think had the refs not messed it up with the posingus ejection which quite honestly was a joke yeah. and i i want to get to that in a bit but had they not done that this this begs the question would the game have ended the way it would maybe clippers would have just clinched it but 
would have been pretty tight to call yeah and we did predict uh, a few episodes behind, back that clippers are going to have it easy probably win in 5 probably win in 6 do you think there's a possibility of an upset now that we saw game 1 we saw mavericks match up to the clippers they didn't have kp for almost the last quarter of the game so you think this is a possible upset in the making um no i don't i, I think it's a good notion but I, i i just don't see it i think this was a case of clippers by now given the experience that they have and because of doc rivers at the helm i think they have mm-hmm. become really really good at doing what it takes to win and not going over the top if they can blow you out by 30 they're going to settle for winning by 10 it's that sort of a team i don't think that threshold has been tested just yet which is mm-hmm. why i lament posing this is uh, ejection all the more because him having stayed on the court i don't know if that guarantees mavs a win but it would have it would have given us a good idea of how far can the clippers be pushed and how do they step up when they are and who among them is going to step up when they're pushed all the way that would have been very interesting to see but i don't think they've been pushed anywhere near that threshold i think if the if the mavs push them a bit more the clippers have more in the tank to to come back and still clinch it so it'll be five games we'll be lucky if we get a game six uh, but i mm-hmm. don't see the mavs really taking the clippers all the way it, it's going to be a good learning experience for them though and they're just one draft window away from becoming serious con- contenders it could be a draft it could be a trade but they're just a couple of good pieces away from being genuine contenders all right a team that was not really pushed today like you mentioned was uh, t- the defending champions Toronto Raptors it was an absolute blowout victory 134 110 against Brooklyn Nets and i think that score was kind of uh, fair or kind of uh, what do i call it kind of uh, kind to Brooklyn Nets because that score was nowhere near what it really was uh, Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn were trailing by almost 30 at the end of first half yeah <laughs> this this was the easiest pick that we've had to make in every episode we've been consistent i'd be surprised we should probably re- check a few news publications and some other podcasts to see if anyone's picked <laughs> brooklyn to to even win one game this was a blowout from day one this was a blowout before the playoffs even started i was looking at we've talked about this i was looking at the plus minus for the games so um, each player gets a plus minus and then you know the sum total of the teams plus minus is such that the winning teams plus is the losing teams minus and it's a, it's a net zero that's how it works the scoring system me most matches you will see a plus minus differential of, of 40 points or 30 points and the winning team is plus 30 and the losing team is minus 30 minus 40 minus 50 that's what as far as it goes uh, the plus minus in this game is plus 120 in favor of the toronto raptors there was not a second a minute a timeout <laughs> a breath in the match where they looked like they were struggling in fact the score line you are you are right the score line is kind because i think they eased up in the second half you could see When they Brooklyn did. were making a comeback, they played well, good for them, young guys. But you could see the Toronto Raptors eased up and they kind of let their B team um, run about and, and do their thing. This was this was done from the first tip off. Toronto took the lead and they never lost the lead. The lesser said, the better. Fred Van Fleet, uh, what a season he's having! He continues to to lead their offense. Um, he continues to to run plays and uh, and really share the load with Lowry, and that's what's enabling this team's longevity because there's no. There doesn't seem to be the scope of any uh, scope for any burnout here because of how beautifully the load is shared in their backcourt, and then they've yep. got a great uh, defensive frontcourt also with Siakam kind of being their two-way guy. Um, what a team this is, which leads me to I've got an interesting question for you. Had Kawhi Leonard stayed back in Toronto, mm-hmm. 
Do you think you would yeah. have had a better chance to win and win it all than right now with the Clippers? I definitely think so. They were already a championship-winning team, and I don't see why. I mean, I think it was more to do with him moving back to the sunny days of uh, Los <laughs> Angeles, his hometown, and all that. But I think definitely Toronto have the better squad, and even with the current squad, they seem like a championship-winning squad, right? Even without Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, so. Yeah. I think, yes, I think they're a big force to reckon with. And I'm sure the Bucks will be watching them closely because that is a potential uh, conference final. Yeah, it is probably the one team that, that worries the Bucks the most. It is. Uh, talking about rivalries here, the 76ers and the Celtics played off in the other game, right? And Celtics, as expected, having, you could say, a comfortable victory, but there was a phase in between where, sorry, Celtics having a comfortable victory, there was a phase in where 76ers kind of made a 15-0 run and they thought they could bring the game close, but then Celtics blew the game away. Uh, Jason Tatum again shining, 30-plus points, 13 rebounds. A pretty young guy leading a very f- historical, famous franchise, you could say. Yeah, and this this rivalry goes way back. Uh, it's a shame that we don't have Ben Simmons for this series because that would have made things a lot more close. It would also have been close if Al Horford was not a shell of the man for Philadelphia that he was playing mm-hmm. for Boston. If Al Horford steps up his offense and kind of gets his shot going, he, he's been entirely clueless ever since he's come to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Because if he can get this going, this will become a very, very interesting series. Because as Joel Embiid out there, all by himself, he stepped up. He had a 26-16 game. He contributed yep. on the defensive end. He had steals, he had blocks. He did pretty much everything. Tobias Harris, surprisingly, stepped up. Great production yep. from him. 15 points, but good contribution on the rebounds. Got assists going. He was calling a lot of plays for them. If Al Horford can step up his scoring, that will mm-hmm. help them avoid depending on and asking too much of the Shake Milton's of the world and some of their younger core that they've got around around Joel Embiid. Uh, but otherwise, but otherwise, like we saw this coming, I think this is going to be an easy, a breezy series for Boston. It's going to get gritty once in a while, but they have mm-hmm. enough firepower to see themselves. Should the Boston be worried given that Gordon Hayward limped off? Uh, we're not sure how long he might be out. He limped off in the final quarter of the game. Uh, it looked like an ankle injury. Uh, the Boston Celtics management have come out and said they don't know how long he's going to be out. If he misses the rest of the rest of the series, do you think Philadelphia could stand a chance? Now, I was looking at the scorecard as well. Bench points for Celtic. We've been talking a lot about the depth, right? They just scored eight of the bench today. Something to be worried about? Uh, sure, it's, it's always tough to lose a player. Like It can never be good to lose a player like Gordon Hayward. But honestly, if you look back at Gordon Hayward's career in general over the last few years and also Celtic's history with Gordon Hayward, they've never really got a consistent run with him. It's always been a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. He comes back, he gets injured. And they've, they've never done two things. One, they've never had the opportunity to fully integrate him into their rotation and see where he fits in. Is he a starter? Is he off the bench? Is he there? Is he the sixth man for Boston? Or do they kind of find a way to integrate him into the start up, starting lineup and, and play around with Marcus Smart coming off the bench? They mm-hmm. never really, they've tried all of these things. They've never really found one set, set piece. So it's incredible that they're playing the way they are while having these uncertainties still. Uh, but my confidence stems from the fact that they have played quite a, a, a few games over the, over the season uh, without Hayward. Last season, without Hayward, he, he's missed extensive stretches and they've done just fine. So I think this is a team that can definitely be boosted by Hayward, but it's not a team that uh, to whom Hayward's absence is of huge detriment because they're used to that. For They've not played 
they've had hayward not playing for longer than they've had hayward playing more or less so i wouldn't be too yeah. worried about bench production definitely definitely worries me uh, but i think it's it's a it's a one off thing I, i don't see that carrying through all the way i i think they've definitely played it a whole lot safer in the in the first game they probably just wanted to clinch one one big game get off on the right note uh, because they played their stars extensively and jason tatum was there on the court for 40 plus minutes jalen brown played 40 or 40 plus i don't i don't think they're going to pull that throughout the series so i will be fine i think ben scoring is going to pick up all right so that was four big games today we have four big games or should i say three big games and one blowout victory for the bucks tomorrow uh, the heat play the pacers uh, the bucks play magic in the early game the big games come later in the day rockets take on okc and the lakers versus the trail blazers we'll come to the lakers versus trail blazers in the bit but uh, let's start off with the magic versus bucks should we even talk about it i know it's it's toronto <laughs> <laughs> it's toronto and brooklyn all over again if that's given given yanis's efficiency if toronto brooklyn ended in a plus 120 in favor of toronto i'm going to say the bucks magic should at least be that i think that should be their target not to win but to just blow it out if they have a close game in this god bless them the nerves are going to get really jittery man going forward if they can't close this out big time all right we'll give that to the bucks and i'm i'm seeing a 4-0 uh, easy win for the bucks over here the next game though is an interesting one heat versus the pacers pacers have been setting the bubble on fire tj warren especially but they have a good support system as well victor oladipo is there miles turner has been doing well malcolm brogdon is there they'll miss Dom- uh, they'll miss about sabonis but the rest of the squad i think that's a pretty strong squad miami heat will definitely go into the game as favorite but do the pacers stand a chance not at all i i don't even expect this to be to be any close now i i've been thinking about this i don't expect this to be close without sabonis i think it's a bridge too far um with sabonis without oladipo it would still be tough i think they really need all of their pieces to even make it a close contest and even then i would favor uh, miami heat because miami heat just Uh, I've I've said this countless times now. They're a better coached team. They're a better org overall. There's a culture that flows top down all the way to the last guy to the bench. That sets you up for the playoffs because your priorities are straight. In moments where you have to take split second decisions, it's that culture that's already given you some kind of cognitive bias of what you're going to do next, and you're not thinking to make a decision there. It's it's almost instinctive. It's almost uh, muscle memory in clutch moments. They have a better starting five. They have a better bench. they are way better defensively which yeah. all of this points to indiana have to have all time great offensive nights to overcome the the heat that's going mm-hmm. to be tough with the heat's defense with kendrick nunn and, and butler who is probably one of the best guy uh, wing defenders in the league but also one of the most effective at shutting down uh, bubble special tj warren so um, no i don't <laughs> i don't think i don't think the pacers have too much of a chance uh, i i don't expect this to be a close series five games maybe and heat easy the next game out there is a pretty interesting one lot of storylines in there uh, the okc versus the rockets see uh, chris paul who was in rockets earlier is now in okc russell westbrook will probably miss the first two games was uh, okc legend if i might call it that <laughs> now with the rockets how do you see this one going and i think this is probably apart from the denver jazz game this is probably the closest game of the series perhaps even more so uh, i think i think this is one of those this is one series where i think about this and every day my prediction changes my opinion changes the houston rockets should be prohibitive favorites going into this okay they shouldn't even be here in the playoffs and yet they are 
with a decent league position over achievement for them perhaps mm-hmm. why i think this is even close is because a houston rockets went about and gambled with clint capella and and said we're going small ball so they have eliminated one entire dimension to their game and said we're doubling down on the other one what is that it's gritty defense hoping to contain as best as possible the uh, the attacking unit and then just outshoot the other team is they just trade out sharp shooting festivals every time around it's a mexican standoff so they're going to over rely on their three shooting and they're going to over rely on russell westbrook driving into the paint now the problem is okc defend the perimeter pretty well okc have some pretty good rim protection and in moments when things get clutch the rockets have a very very unpredictable set of players set of leaders uh, decision making has always been suspect in the clutch chris paul is one of the all time greats at at elevating everyone around him in clutch moments mm-hmm. he's never got it done it's not backed up by a championship but that can't entirely be blamed on him i think he is a better leader overall at getting the entire team to step up than harden ever was or than than westbrook ever was or is Mm-hmm. Westbrook and Harden are both great at stepping up themselves. Chris mm-hmm. Paul makes the team better overall. Shades of LeBron there. So this is what makes it interesting, and I genuinely have no way to call this series. Like I said, it should be that the Rockets are prohibitive favorites, but it could go either way, and and I wouldn't be surprised if the OKC pull off a win. This is one series where I genuinely don't have a prediction right now. All right, with Westbrook missing probably the first two games, do you think that makes OKC slight favorites? it does it does with with westbrook out yes definitely because one, the second they start putting pressure on the perimeter and mm-hmm. and mind you when houston miss it's not like they're expecting too many second chance opportunities either because that's not yeah. happened nobody's picking up rebounds there so if they can get the perimeter guarding down pat that's the ball mm-hmm. game any players to watch out from in this game apart from james harden But apart from the big guys i think shaquille just alexander if he shows up this is uh, this is a ball game if he shows up He is the guy I'd watch out for. It'll be interesting to see what Steven Adams can do in his mismatch uh, because every second chance opportunity that he can provide, every uh, rim protection moment that he can provide will go a long way in helping OKC win. But if I had to pick one it would be my man SGA. All right, so I got your pick locked in over there and coming to the final game tomorrow it's a late uh, it's a late game. The big one you could call it uh, Dame time versus Bron playoff time. Yep, yep. Let's hope it's playoff Bron. I don't know. It's we keep saying <laughs> he keeps saying revenge season. However, that SZN is pronounced. He keeps saying Watch King. And first of all, who called him Watch King? I I never saw that hashtag before he started using it. Right? I feel like I feel like he cooked up this whole elaborate story of uh, people calling him Watched, and then he was disproving them by saying he's kind of not Watched. I don't know what you what the opposite even is. Um, Shades of Michael Jordan cooking up shit to make it personal, to make it to give him just some kind of motivation and competitive edge. I'm hoping again that that's what it is and not a farcical um, PR stunt. No, I'm really looking forward to this. Nobody in the entire NBA elevates and steps up in the postseason quite like LeBron James. We've seen great mm-hmm. surprise stories. We've seen people like Luca um, come from already great levels where people thought mm-hmm. they peaked, peaked at least for that stage of their career. and then mm-hmm. they elevate in the playoffs lebron james peaks elevates elevates becomes one of the all time greats and then continues to, to t- step it up every time he gets to the playoffs um so i would fully expect him to turn up i have no problem with anthony davis 
I have all the problems in the world with the rest of that Lakers squad. It, <laughs> it didn't it didn't look particularly great even when Rondo was fit, even when mm-hmm. um, every Bradley was in the team. It looks so much weaker now. It's not that they can't play; it's that we've really not seen it happen. It's been too patchy, too unpredictable, and that's on offense. On defense, this is easily one of the most miserable perimeter defending units I've ever seen. Uh, not just mm-hmm. uh, in the league this season, but like in the last ten years playing for the Lakers, and the Lakers have had some pretty spectacular squads playing for them over the last ten years. So that's saying something. Super tight series. Here's why I still think Lakers will win, though. Thank you for listening to all of that drivel. But here's the crux of the matter. I still think they'll win. I still think it'll be an achievement for Portland if they can take it to Game Six. Here's why: it it was a big ask for them to even get to the playoffs. Yep. Just the fact that they're here, they've gone through something similar to a a seven-game tight playoff series win, mm-hmm. the bubble in the regular season and the play-in games. They're just getting their full-strength unit back. It looks great, but how great will they look when they're really, really tested? They've had some games go pretty close where they shouldn't have. And they clinched yep. them eventually. Credit to them, but they shouldn't have gone that close. That added to the fact that they've never defended for a minute in their lives in the bubble. Even before yep. this wasn't a great defensive team. You would expect with a couple of big guys like Collins and Nurkic coming back into the squad that they'd step it up a little more. Nope, they don't defend the perimeter. They don't defend the paint. They defend nothing. That would be a mountain too high. when mm-hmm. you're up against lebron james and anthony davis i'm not even talking about the rest of the squad just those those two guys can combine for 65 70 a night easy so it's going to be an interesting game i can't really make a prediction but my prediction uh, i'll stick with it when i did uh, one of the earlier episode when you asked me lakers or portland i said portland and i'll stick with that i think portland to win this in 6 it's going to be tough it's uh, you could call it my wild card prediction or whatever <laughs> but i see portland i don't i I don't see Portland getting through on their uh, on their grid. I think Lakers are not good enough. Yeah, I have it. I can play it a bit safe here, right? Because if I I'm going to pick the Lakers, and it's a safe pick, I'll tell you why. Because if you turn out to be right and Portland win, it's a great upset. It's a great pick by you. It's not necessarily a bad pick by me. Um, if the Lakers win, hey, I told you so. So I'm fine here. I'm fine either way it goes. The Lakers offense. has been pathetic it's been depressing to watch i've skipped waking up for some of their bubble games it was that bad they shooting bricks all over the court what when you have lebron james and anthony davis in a squad you do not second guess that offense because they always have the option of either throwing it out to lebron who'll shoot it from the perimeter or drive in and then god bless you trying to stop him or throw it to ad who again can shoot in from the perimeter or can be an absolute nightmare in the paint for portland there is nobody in the nba pretty much that can guard anthony davis consistently mm-hmm. certainly not in a portland unit that's the 20th worst of 22 teams when it comes to defense i get that the <laughs> lakers are pretty bad but that that's not going to have an impact on anthony davis's chances of scoring right that's going to be portland trying to trying to get a stop especially in clutch moments in in moments where the lead is swinging back and forth if it does boil down to that the lakers just have those one two sure thing options to toss the ball to yeah. the portland do too but it's going to be a gamble expecting lillard to go on making those ridiculous bombs and to um expect mccollum to to carry the load of the offense especially when it matters most when even the best players 
when they're pulling up for the jumper they're second guessing their shot already what if this goes out or what's the what's the world going to going to say about this so i'd still put my money on the lakers just for the fact that i i've never seen a team with two players of that caliber on one mm-hmm. roster being mm-hmm. overcome uh, however good the opposition it it rarely happens certainly not in the first round of the playoffs certainly not by a team that doesn't play defense uh, there's just too many things against against portland but like i said i'm going to look good either way um but i'm going to predict the <laughs> lakers to win in 5 uh, good for the portland if they can good for the trail blazers if they can take it to game 6 before we uh, end today's show i have three questions for you and i think i'll go i'm going to make this a regular feature for our episodes going forward given that we have games every single day now who was your player of the day for today oof that's tough uh luka you have options you have luka doncic yeah. who got a 40 plus point right. game right. Right. jason tatum stepped it up or donovan mitchell who went berserk for his 50 plus point game i'm actually going to go Yeah, I still have a heavy bias towards wins. I I just don't I get the romance of picking a phenomenal performance in a losing effort like Donovan Mitchell, but I have a heavy heavy bias for wins. And for that reason and that reason alone, my standout performer of the night uh, would have to be Jamal Murray. The number mm-hmm. one the greatest maybe Jason Tatum had a better game overall mm-hmm. uh, of all the games yesterday. But the way he stepped up in two instances one in that fourth quarter where him and Donovan Mitchell were trading threes for fun and we were trading yeah. jump shots not all of them were threes but trailing shot for shot trying to match each other back and forth a that was great basketball to watch yep b that was a phenomenal contest between two uh, unbelievable young talents both of whom are stepping up in the postseason and that's great to see um two when the match went to overtime Jamal Murray just ran away with it. He he never let Utah have come within a sniff of victory. He just took the game away within seconds of overtime and kept it there. He missed one yeah. shot in all of overtime and on that one shot that he missed, he got the offensive rebound off his own miss, kicked it out to the perimeter and they got a clutch three that that stretched the lead further and he got the assist on that. This is a playoff performance for the ages. So Jamal Murray for that reason. I'll give it to you. He went at 65% uh, shooting today, yeah. over 36 points. That's an incredible statistic to have in a playoff game. Yep. Yep. All right. So Jamal Murray is our player of the day. If you had to pick a flop of the day, who would it be? The referees in the Clippers match. What the fuck were they doing? The referee. <laughs> you know, I I hate this. And as a sports fan, and anyone who loves sports would relate to this. The worst thing you want in any contest that you are looking forward to is the referee is making it about themselves. Uh, a red card where it doesn't need to be in football, an ejection where it doesn't need to be in basketball is just annoying. That was the softest double technical I have ever seen in my life. All they did was shove each other's shoulders. That in fact should be the encouraged way of showing aggression on the field rather than Giannis <laughs> going and headbutting someone. something that really pisses pisses me off because if that was any other player they would have had a two game suspension minimum only because that Giannis he gets off with a one game suspension in a mm-hmm. game that they knew he wasn't going to play anyway before the playoffs he should have missed game 1 uh, coming up tomorrow but more on that later i hated when the refs take over a game and they absolutely took over this game they robbed us of a chance of seeing the mass go all the way with porzingis robbed us of a chance mm-hmm. to see how the clippers respond and who it is that takes picks up the gauntlet if they're pushed to the limit and their threshold is tested it robbed us of a chance of maybe seeing an upset win for the mavericks so the referee yeah. was kind of the key decider of that game 
where he shouldn't have been or where they shouldn't have been and for that reason flop of the game that was pathetic i was going for a brooklyn net but i think your your <laughs> pick was better and i'll stick with uh, the referees from the clippers game with the flop of today's or day one of the playoffs if you had to pick a play of the day which one would it be i'll take an unconventional um, route here usually play of the day is like a a clutch three or a poster jam or one of those mm-hmm. i'll i'll tell you the one that exhilarated me the most the most thrilling part of all of the games yesterday was when the denver nuggets utah jazz game went down to the wire scores mm-hmm. were tied few seconds on the clock jokic yep. got the ball uh, and it was just it was basically jokic and rudy gobert mano a mano one of the best attacking big men in the game was easily one of the most consistent uh, big best defenders in the game it was a one on one I thought Jokic had it because he had a ball fake. Gobert almost committed to it, but not quite, and that's his greatness. Recovered mm-hmm. from that, got back, contested the shot, pushed Jokic away from the rim legally, put his hand up so high it forced Jokic to adjust his shot, make this kind of high arcing teardrop shot, which is never going to go in, and that's what um, prevented Denver from running away with it and getting that buzzer beater. that whole sequence for me was the play of the day and not just one one individual shot and i and i think i was going to go for the same one as well the yeah. the okay. ending minutes of the regular time of the denver versus yeah. the jazz game that took it to overtime uh, where jamal murray just ran away with the game right but i think that's all we have for today's episode it was nice talking to you talk to you tomorrow after three big games and the bucks win yeah the lakers all the way man <laughs> <laughs> good luck then all right